Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining me again every Thursday here on KLZ 560 AM. And you can stream online at drpegradio.com. I've got uh, Dave Keita as my engineer, and he'll be uh, taking your calls today. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Hi, Doc. Thanks <laughs> for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for all your help. And we're going to be uh, having a real interesting show today, Dave. Uh, we're expecting uh, Chet W. Sisk, and he's a social futurist. Have you ever heard of that term before? I haven't until last week when we did the promo for this show, and I've been really looking forward to it. It sounds very interesting. Uh, yes, yes. It sounds a little sci-fi maybe even a little psychic, <laughs> but he's looking at um, current uh, headlines and current trends and predicting what's coming in uh, the next couple of years. And, um, you know, the headlines of the past several weeks, um, frankly, um, have been pretty disturbing, <laughs> just a disturbing mess. There's been school shootings. Uh, there was an active shooter video game that was almost released, uh, which is just crazy. Uh, did you hear about that? I did. I saw yeah. it. I couldn't even believe that I was reading, yeah, reading uh, that article. Yeah, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, there was also a children's movie that was pulled. Uh, it had it's already was out and being released, uh, but people were um, noticing a, a kind of a pedophile grooming um, kind of theme, you know, that was uh, kind of disguised as, you know, animals, you know, interacting, but it was really kind of creepy. It is creepy. Why would you add that yeah. to a children's movie? Exactly. And, and you know, the animators kind of sneak in little subliminal messages into uh, animated films, but this was pretty pretty blatant and so quite disturbing. So what's what's that trend? And, and Chet Sisk, our futurist, is going to help us to understand that. We also uh, know that Harvey Weinstein was indicted on uh, rape charges this week as well, and, and the whole Me Too movement, that's a trend that we're seeing um, coming to the surface. It's not new. These are things that have been happening, but we're talking about them now. So that's a good thing. Uh, Starbucks was closed uh, for bias training after uh, a, a particular event, and uh, we'll talk about the trends around um, implicit bias and um, racial profiling. And then uh, to top it all off, Dave, <laughs> everyone's favorite actress, Roseanne Barr. What got, a weird story that oh is. Oh, my goodness. What was she doing? <clears throat> so she set Twitter ablaze uh, with some tweets, and she's now saying Ambien basically made her do it. So I mean, it just shows that you should be more careful about what you say, no matter where it is that you're saying it mm -hmm. to everybody. And, you know, especially online where it lasts forever. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm so sorry. It was in poor taste. You know, I was tweeting it late at night and I was under the influence of Ambien. But it's really about what's in your heart. And that that's really the crux of what implicit bias is. It's uh, unconscious. It's automatic. It's almost instantaneous uh, attitudes and stereotypes about particular groups where we don't even realize consciously that we hold those attitudes and they can be positive and negative. And so uh, that's that's a trend of, of coming to the surface. It's always existed, but we're talking about it more. And in fact, uh, there's even some debate about, you know, whether or not what Roseanne Barr even said should be considered racist. So that's a that's a trend, too, is uh, people seeing things just totally differently uh, from one another and kind of getting entrenched in their own views. So uh, Chet will help us to understand that as well. He's a social futurist, and he says that we must stop only looking 
at what's in front of us and start looking at those things that are ahead of us. And he'll explain what it means to be a social futurist and what we can expect in the next three to five years locally and globally. So it's going to be a really fascinating show. Uh, but first, we're brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education training and has the only evidence-based program of its kind with an accredited CEU. And the president of SSI Guardian, Michael Yorio, he's been featured uh, nationally uh, with all of the different events that have been taking place and tragedies that have been taking place. He's been sharing evidence-based practices, how important it is to have uh, follow standards at schools and to make sure that we're not operating out of emotion, out of opinion, out of the latest fad, and that we are uh, making our decisions around school policy uh, based on the evidence and the research. So SSI Guardian is the leader in this space, and you can learn more about them at SSIGuardian.com and tell them that Dr. Pegg sent you. If you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, you can go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. Well, I'm pleased to have Chet W. Sisk live in studio with me today. Uh, t today's episode is one that you're going to want to send to a friend. You might want to go back and listen to it again. Again, you can go to the program archives at drpegradio.com. My guest is social futurist and author Chet W. Sisk. And Chet is a former television reporter, advertising executive, and entrepreneur who's dedicated to providing insight into the massive changes affecting the world and how we can thrive and succeed in it. Chet Sisk, thanks so much for being with me today. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Dr. Peg, quite frank, should I say, can I say Peg? Or you can call me whatever you like, Chet. <laughs> okay. We're friends. <laughs> okay. I, I just, I didn't know whether... That's my stage name. <laughs> Your nom de plume. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a pleasure to be here. So Thank thanks you. for the invitation. You're quite welcome. We've known each other for quite a few uh, years, yes. but I only just heard this term "social futurist." Yeah. We we had coffee a couple of weeks ago, yes. and um, before we jump into this, you know, listeners, you may recognize Chet's voice from commercials and other media. Uh, Chet, I was telling you how I was um, in a hotel in, I think, somewhere like Kansas City on business, and I turned on the TV to listen to the weather and, and the news for the morning while I was brushing my teeth, and uh, I heard this voice that I recognized coming from the television set, and I was like, oh my goodness, that's Chet. So, <laughs> listeners, you may recognize his voice, uh, and those of you here in Denver are, are familiar with him and the work that he's done here. But let's talk about um, social futurist, Chet. Um, I never heard heard of this before it sounded a little twilight zony to me <laughs> so explain remember the movie uh, philadelphia and denzel oh, yeah. washington says explain it to me like i'm a five-year-old yeah, so yes, <laughs> yes which is the key to actually explaining anything yes that's I right i mean you really want to make sure that everybody has all the details especially if it's something new um a social futurist is really someone who focuses on the effects because there are there are a lot of guys that i, I roll with who are futurists and they talk about the tech oh, okay you know, flying okay. cars I gotcha, gotcha. and all that kind of good stuff and you go oh that's kind of neat uh, i focus on the people okay love so it. how does this affect people and their decision making mm -hmm. so that's my my chief concern um i also focus really on the next three to five years there are some who focus you know 100 years out right um and that's great, uh, especially those of us in the World Future Society. There are a lot of people who really look, you know, generations ahead, which is great. 
But my primary focus is the next three to five years, particularly now because we're in a really dynamic time, yes. probably more dynamic. And I, you know, you go back over history and you say, why is there anything that's even close to this particular mm -hmm. time? And there are a few periods where you had change that were, you know, they were close to this, but nothing like this, mm -hmm. not this kind of perfect storm of mm -hmm. events coming together. So my job is to really focus on how these next three to five years will affect the next 100 to 1,000 mm -hmm. years. So, oh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. And so these are things that we can see today and be able to track them over mm -hmm. the coming months and couple of years and be able to say, yes, we, we saw this coming and we prepared ourselves. Yes. Uh, you follow st stories and societal developments mm -hmm. long after they've left the news cycle. Right. And exactly. you decode them. Yes. I got this from your website, Jack. Yes. Jack, yes. what what it means for us as individuals, for our families, for society, and even the mm -hmm. planet. Yeah, yes. I think that um, what happens, you know, working in news, uh, as in broadcast news, you start realizing that people's attention spans uh, over the years seem to get shorter and shorter. Yeah. And that was problematic in the way I saw it. And their memories, not only uh -huh. attention span, but their memory for what happened even just two months ago six yeah. months ago just amazing and you know i worked on both sides of this of this street but so i was in news so you started started seeing how the attention spans were disappearing and um people's memories were becoming a little foggy and then when i went into advertising i realized that you could actually manipulate that mm. kind of space Right. between what they experienced and what later you could actually retell a story. You could mm. do revisionist history, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about history 100 years. Right. I'm talking about history like a couple of years. Yeah. And that became problematic for me, so I, I kept thinking, well, if, if, if I'm to do my job, you know, from a, from a higher moral place, which is, you know, where I come from spiritually, that it became really important to me that we, there are some of us that do some of the thinking out there mm. that says, hey, listen, we're going to look at this thing over the next three to five years and try to make some kind of sense of it, even if you don't. Right. We want to make sure that that information and an analysis is available to right. you. Well, and psychologists call it reframing. Reframing. And so it's taking perceptions and sensations and you know experiences and kind of slightly twisting it, reframing mm. it. Uh, so you can say that someone is, um, you know, super, super stressed out and sure. frazzled, or you could reframe it and say you have the opportunity for growth. Ooh. You're being challenged. You're being stretched. And so like that's that. called a reframe. Yeah. And so uh, one of the um, uh, most influential um, psychologists uh, who did an experiment that was considered unethical uh, after he was fired from his hospital job, he went into advertising, had a very successful career in advertising. <laughs> so we see the connection between psychology and advertising. Absolutely. And you're seeing the connection between advertising and even news, how, yes. how stories can be manipulated. Yes, and, and how that line can be blurred. Absolutely. And you say we need to stop looking only at what's right in front of us and start looking at those things that are ahead of us. Yes. And so there's so many stories right in front of us, even today, even this week, mm -hmm. even in the last couple of weeks, where yes. We're here at the end of May, getting ready to go into June. The year's half over. Right. And um, in this week alone, um, some of these stories are just simply, in my opinion, distractions. Yeah, uh, sure. some, some of these stories, some of the things happening may be a true reflection of what's happening in our society right now. 
um, and others um, could you say are pointing us towards some things that are coming in the future that we might miss if we just look right at the tip of our nose yeah i'll say yes to all of those mm -hmm. things um it's it's there are you know some of this may sound a little partisan but uh i'm i'm disturbed by the amount and the tonnage as as it were of information mm -hmm. that hits the public uh from our leadership uh because what happens of course is that it it distracts people to the point where they they just kind of like, hey, listen, it's too much. Mm -hmm. And they basically, they put all of media, as it were, into one particular pot and just say, I, I don't even pay attention. So now they become completely mm. uh, disengaged from all of the events that are happening, as opposed to saying, I I'll take a, I'll do a more proactive right. approach. I'll start to sift through some of this. They just get overwhelmed because right. of the just the tonnage of just events that keep happening. And I can't think that that is not on purpose. Right. It's just a constant barrage of just crazy things. People just get overwhelmed, and, mm -hmm. and then you just throw up your hands, and yeah. then you just, and then it becomes easier to spoon feed you. Right. Well, and you're also seeking information that confirms what you already believe. That's that's a psychological phenomenon. That's our human nature. Sure. And we have to be intentional about digging a little deeper and looking at other sides of the issue, hearing other people's perspectives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a civil manner. Yeah. Um, one reason I'm, I'm on the air is to provide information about mental health, wellness, and safety, and it sure. is nonpartisan. I have my personal biases, sure. but I'm just trying to provide information. Mm -hmm. And you can take that information and add it to the equation of sure. other information that you have yeah. and come to some conclusions. Yeah. Well, yeah. listeners, I'm speaking with Chet Sisk, and he's a social futurist, and he's looking at information and trends and even current headlines and things happening in in our world today and predicting out three to five years of how those things impact uh, people yes. and our society. And if you'd like to uh, join our conversation, you can call us at 303-477-5600. Now, Chet, we have a few minutes in this first segment. Let's uh, take a look at some of the headlines that I mm -hmm. teased up in the beginning, in the opener. And first and foremost, one of one of the main themes of Living Well with Dr. Pegg is safety. We talk mm -hmm. about mental health, wellness, sure. and safety are sure. probably the three most common topics on this program. Okay. And school shootings, terror attacks, uh, mass killings are all um, in the news. Sure. Uh, Homeland Security and the Secret Service reported that 28 mass attacks which are defined as three or more harmed, sure. occurred in public places in 2017 alone. Wow. And even the way we're, um, you'll see stats out there that are saying it's, you know, in the hundreds already this year, sure. uh, but they're looking at any discharge of a weapon in a school, any kind of gunfight, any oh. kind of, you know, schoolyard disagreement where a gun comes out, uh, those numbers are thrown in. But really the number of these uh, mass killings for 2017 is 20, 28, or excuse me, mass attacks is 28. Sure. We just had, you know, Santa Fe yes. a High School, Parkland, Florida, mm -hmm. barely recovering from that when we had Santa Fe. Right. Um, so talk about that, that trend. What is happening in our world today in terms of violence, uh, terrorism, yes. active shooting, uh, all of that? What's happening? Well, you know, it's, it's the, you know, you ask uh, any person and I, I guarantee you'll get a different answer every time. I, from a futurist perspective, I, I can say this, that there has to be a place where we start to integrate uh, safety in with our vision of the future. And that safety doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, putting yourself inside of a box. Right, right. Uh, Hardening that, is what they're talking about. Hardening schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, 
you know, I, everything that I see says that 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 can be problematic be, simply because of the fact that it it distances our society from a civil society. All of a sudden, we start to become a fortified society, and we we don't want to do that. There is an integration of safety inside of a civil society, which is um, really the the path that we want to pursue, but. The, the the challenge is that everybody doesn't have that understanding, so they just figured, let's just harden everything. Everybody carry a gun. Everybody fortify and put, you know, we'll look like uh, some places I see in some of the emerging countries where you have barbed wires around everything. Mm -hmm. And and that's not a civil society. We can, we're better than that. We're, we're greater than that. But we have to see ourselves from a, a bigger place. And, and that truly does require a lot of, uh, it requires leadership to really expand its capacity of what it sees ahead. And unfortunately, I, I don't know if we're at that place yet. I right. don't know if we have that kind of... Right. Thing. And again, it requires information. of yeah, not, yeah. Again, not just emotion, not just opinion, not just fads, but what does the research show yes. helps to keep us safe, in sure. particular our kids at school. Yes. Again, listeners, I'm speaking with social futurist Chet W. Sisk. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can give us a call at 303-477-5600. We're going to take a break, but when we return, are the robots taking over? Chet will We'll answer when we come back. Stay with us. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. What if a psychologist with years of experience wrote a book revealing secrets that therapists know but usually don't share? And what if that book provided effective strategies for experiencing lasting change? That's exactly what you get with Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark's book, Do Something Different for a Change, an insider's guide to what your therapist knows but may not tell you. Celebrating 10 years in print, this self-help classic shares critical insights to help you understand and overcome the three common barriers to change, heal your emotional pain and emptiness, and strengthen your connection to your true self and others. In the easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style she's known for, Dr. Pegg clearly communicates fundamental principles and strategies for change and personal transformation. Read Do Something Different for a Change today and have a better tomorrow. Go to drpegradio.com slash books to purchase your copy today. Studies show that safety greatly impacts student learning and a teacher's ability to do what they do best. Be it broken furniture, a leaking roof, or more serious threat of violence, the 21st Century Safe School by School Specialty addresses school safety from the emotional, social, and physical perspective. Don't wait another moment. Call 877-878-5800 or visit ssiguardian.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Hey. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm trying to Facebook Live here as well as talk to you on the radio. I've got Chet Sisk, 
live in studio today with me. And Chet is a social futurist, yes. and we are talking about how what's happening today, um, how we can predict out in the next three to five years of how that's affecting uh, our culture and our society today. Uh, keep listening uh, to the program for some interesting information about the robots. Uh, Chet, thanks so much for being with me today. How can our listeners uh, stay connected with you? Well, they can always go to leadtheshift.com. That's a website, and then there's a, an app that we have there. It's free. And it, it, cre it creates our, um, what we call our interest group. So instead of getting all of your information from like all kinds of places, you get a one-stop shop uh, by downloading our app. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, go to nice. leadtheshift.com. Lead the shift. And I'll also have a link to chat on my website. So if you'd like to share this interview with a friend, you can go to drpegradio.com. You can also listen to previous episodes of the program and purchase my books that you heard about during the commercial break, including the 10th anniversary of my book, Do Something Different for Change, and you'll learn practical strategies for making the changes that Chet's research is predicting yes, yes. or, or uh, being able to uh, adapt to yes, those changes, yes. I should say. Right. Again, go to drpegradio.com. If you'd like to join our conversation and ask Chet a question about what's trending in the next three to five years, you can give us a call now at 303 477 5,600. Uh, so, Chet, uh, before we talk about the robots, um, let's just talk a little bit about some of these other headlines that are happening. And, and I'm saying before we talk about the robots, <laughs> but that's one of the trends that you're predicting. The robots are taking over. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> Already have started, right? Yes. But so there was um, uh, a, a lot of talk about um, what happened at Starbucks recently. Mm. And Starbucks closed for bias training. Yep. Um, people were upset about that, yes. <laughs> which that could be a trend, even just the, the uh, coffee right. addiction, right? Uh, that yeah. they really had to have their coffee. But really, they closed for some important reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, two black men were arrested at Starbucks who were waiting on uh, a third person. Right. And uh, we also saw some Native American students who... Um, had to answer to the police, a black uh, female mm -hmm, at CSU, CSU. Uh, yeah. a black um, uh, graduate student at Yale yeah, um, felt sure. that she had been profiled yes. while on campus. So we're seeing, again, we talked in the first segment about implicit bias mm -hmm. and how it's not even being aware that you're having these unconscious automatic thoughts towards others. Right. But talk about the trend. You know, we can throw Roseanne Barr into the mix uh, just sure. from the last couple days uh, on Twitter. She's making some comments. And there's even just a debate about about what one group of people is experiencing as racism and bias, and another group is saying, you know, hey, toughen up. You know, even the Me Too movement, some people say sure. that as well. Sure. Talk about uh, what, what these trends are indicating for us in the future. Yeah, there's this, uh, the growing trend and some really um, interesting data that just came across my desk over the past couple of weeks is indicating that a lot of this is based around white identity crisis. There's a white identity politics, and then there's white identity crisis around that. And a lot of it has to do, um, it's not unlike some of the things that came up in Europe at, at various times. Um, if a group feels that, uh, and the, the big conversation out there has always been, you know, by a certain time, um, people of color will be half the population, right, if right. not the majority of the population. That plays in a subconscious of some of some groups and then they can play into uh, the subconscious of a larger group if there's enough conversation around it that's what what they mention when they talk about race identity 
politics and race identity. And crisis. that's what's happening now, sure, really. Sure. A lot yeah. of conversation, a lot of yep. incidents that po po probably have been occurring all along, but we're capturing them on sure. uh, with our cameras, you know, our phones. Yes. I would submit that there's more anxiety about it now mm -hmm. than at any other time because of the conversation about, um, uh, again, you have these waves of people of color uh, that are growing at a, at a, at an exponential rate. I shouldn't say exponential, but certainly at a rate where all of a sudden it becomes news. And if you, if some of you can remember, certainly over the past 10 years, people have been saying, well, pretty soon people of color will be the majority. Um, or it, it'll be at least balanced at, at that point. And, you know, I think initially we may have approached that naively. We may have thought, okay, well, that means that we'll all just be a kind of a shade of brown, like we're all tanned. But there are some people who see that as threat and as danger, and they have created political movements around that. They won't say it. It won't be a general, you know, kind of conversation. Yeah. No, but there will be the rise of politicians that are able to leverage that kind of anxiety. A lot of people thought that this last election was about economic anxiety, the the um, you know income inequality gap that continues to grow it's just it's amazing how much that's grown ed is playing a factor because there are people who are feeling wow i don't have the same kind of tools and resources that i used to have something must be wrong so anyone who can come in and play on the race identity politics and the identity crisis can make hay with that and um you know, we're seeing that all over right. the country. And and even on on all sides, it's not sure. just coming from one direction. Sure. And sure. again, these are the trends that you're tracking yes. and seeing how they're going to play out going forward. Yes. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, how do you identify and really predict these trends? You know, I spend a uh, I spend a lot of time. Basically, I do the same things that I used to do when I was a news reporter, except now I I, I go to about a hundred different sources mm. in one day. <laughs> so wow. you can imagine my mornings are pretty yes. much tight like that. And then I just, um, I look for, uh, they used to tell me how to read the Bible this way. As a matter of fact, I remember a minister told me how to read the Bible this way. He said that to go and find uh, all of the different books of the Bible. And then you find the common mm. things that each of the books says. And you pull those things out and you say, well, those things are probably true be simply because of the fact that they are, they're all being repeated by the different prophets and, and such. And so I do the same thing with the news. So sometimes you, you see all these different news sources and there's embellishment. You know, people come in and say, oh, he, she was wearing a blue dress. And then someone else says that they were wearing a gray dress. Well, whatever. What are the Yanni? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What was yeah. that thing? Well, Yanni, <laughs> Yanni and, and, and I forget what the yeah. Laurel, yeah, Laurel <laughs> debate. Which is the nuttiest <laughs> thing in the world. But I, I extract all the, the true things out of each, or the common things that each of the guys uh, or people say in each of the stories. And then you can make a reasonable assumption that those are closer to the truth mm -hmm. than not. And so I gather that on a regular and consistent basis. And, and then I say, these seem to be the, the decisions that people are making. Because remember, trends are really just decisions. They are decisions that we've made. It doesn't mean that we can't change our minds on those decisions, but they are decisions. So if you approach it from the place of it being a decision, then you say, well, who were the decision makers and why did they make that decision? Okay. So looking at motivation. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. And then you can kind of come together and start to say, ah, oh, I see that we have decided this, 
and this is what it will probably mean as it affects those mm, other people. Mm-hmm. So that's that's part of my process. Now I, I will say this: as much as and as 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 dire and as dire as the the times can be and how it's sometimes framed, I am an optimist. Okay. <laughs> I, I see um, I see a, a great opportunity. Um, if there was ever a time of what I would call an opportunity for transformation, it is now. Mm-hmm. So it, it, is a, it is a great time for that. And sometimes it, it, those opportunities don't occur unless you know, some of the other stuff comes to the mm-hmm. top. So I, I think it's a good thing, and I think there are plenty of opportunities. It requires more people with more voices to talk about the right. opportunities inside of these situations. But it is by our nature we tend to lean toward the negative, mm-hmm. the threatening, Absolutely. Uh, fight or flight kinds of things that draws the adrenaline. So we tend to lean toward the negative because it's just it's it's available to us. Right. So to have the conversation about what is positive and what you know really can do great things inside of our community and for us individually you need more people like me. Right, right. And so, again, you're, we're, you're talking a little psychology in terms of the reframing. <laughs> that it's not all gloom and doom. No, you know, no, it never, re- never really is. And you, you, even as you said yeah. earlier, referencing the Bible, sometimes we have to uproot and tear down before uh-huh. we can build and plant. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. this is an opportunity to do that. Yes. Well, let's talk about uh, the robots, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Chet. <laughs> <laughs> and you speak a lot about uh, the fourth industrial revolution and so explain that and uh what's going on with the robots and i'm going to sign off of uh, facebook live here but keep listening we're on klz 560 am and you can stream online at drpegradio.com very cool um the whole aspect of the 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 robots you know whenever someone talks about the robots you know where we usually (laughs) go terminator right you know skynet yeah, all of those things, and that's those are the first kinds of images that come to our mind. That's where we tend to go. Right. And it's unfortunate. But, in fact, most of our science uh, fiction stuff that's out there is all dystopian. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. It's all true, dystopian. True. I mean, when was the last time you saw a movie outside of Star Trek that used to, the television series that talked about this kind of utopian place well, that we Well, maybe Black get to. Panther. Yeah, Black Panther. Well, <laughs> yeah. there you go. That's why so many people found so much hope inside yeah. of the program is because it was a, a very uplifting and empowering program. But most everything else, we're either being chased by zombies, aliens, and robots, you know, and we're fighting for resources and, mm-hmm. and it's... and. You know, as you know, as from a psychologist's perspective, definitely from an advertising perspective, uh, repeated messages affect behavior. Sure. So people become fearful based around the perceived concept of fear. And if you have enough dystopian movies and mass media out there scaring the hell out of everybody, of course, you know, it's hard to reason with people under fear. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the robots, I always say that the robots are really are designed to be an extension of our greatest fears and aspirations. Uh, excuse me, our greatest dreams and aspirations. That's what the robots were designed for. But, but when we don't get in front of the robots, as it were, that is, we recognize that the robot is a toaster. So the, <laughs> the robot can do one of two things. You can either make uh, toast for your sweetie in the morning uh, for breakfast and say, here, baby, uh, I, I love you. Here's toast with your breakfast. Or you can toss that you know, that toaster into the bathtub and electrocute yeah, them. Yeah. But the toaster didn't make the decision. Mm-hmm. We did. Mm-hmm. So 
So we have an opportunity to reframe our position with the robots because whether we are for or against the robots is really, it's, it's immaterial because it's not about the robots, it's about our position with right. the robots. And, and how we're utilizing them. Exactly. You know, the, the, how do we think about the them? The cliche, guns don't pe kill people, people kill people. Oh, you yeah. know, it's how yeah. are we using that tool. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, you know, some of these trends. Uh, Amazon mm -hmm. has uh, drones delivering stuff. Yes. Uh, there are smart appliances yes. that can tell you when your milk is running low and place the order for you yes. with Amazon at Whole Foods and have it delivered to you. Yep. Um, you know, what about even just what I call the Uberization of America? You know, there's an <laughs> app where um, you can, you know, hail a cab. You can mm -hmm. um, have Uber, so to speak, do your shopping for you. Sure. Um, yeah. Instacart. Um, yeah. There's even Uber for babysitting. Yeah. You can order up a, you know, someone to drive your kid around <laughs> um, that that's specializes in in children. You know, yes. childcare. So the the we're seeing kind of this uh, machine takeover, Uberization robots being available to do yes. almost anything for us. Absolutely, because the, the the reason why I talk about the fourth industrial revolution, which is its formal title, it's a, it's a level of AI development we've never seen before. Artificial intelligence. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Most people think about robots as being these mechanical things that come in and they do this, you know, laborious task. But what we're talking about with the fourth industrial revolution is that the level of intelligence of the artificial intelligence allows it to be able to learn from its mistakes. So now it knows how to learn. Mm. So that's different. So that means now you can actually put these tools in place inside of what we used to call usual human functions. Mm. Now, I see that, um, again, as an opportunity because the, 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 the great change or the great challenge that they present, of course, is that they will displace a lot of workers. Right. Yes, even even self-service at the grocery store. Absolutely. You know, I see in particular in my neighborhood Walmart and Safeway. Yes. Especially at certain hours of the day. Yes. There's, if you're lucky, one human being actually checking uh, your groceries. Right. All the other lines are self-serve. And I'm wondering when, when are they going to put me on the payroll sure. or give me a discount <laughs> yeah. on my groceries. So... They're, yeah. they're needing fewer people. They're yeah. in, a, in a way, those jobs are no longer available. So right. the, the cash register itself is the robot. Hey, truth. Now, let me, I'm going to reframe it for everybody. I really want everybody to pay close attention to this. You know, the whole aspect of job is fairly new. It's only been around since really the Industrial Revolution when people started saying, I will pay you this amount of money to do that for me so that I can make more money. Well, now what this new AI says, no, you don't need that mm. part inside of the cog in order to make the same amount of money. You could do it, and you don't need people. So people are like, oh, my gosh, mm. what do we do if we don't have jobs? Right. Well, we always had work. Right. But we, the job is fairly new. Mm. So now we have to rethink the whole aspect of, of the human experience. Right. And the, what, what skill sets are needed to still be able to take care of yourself and your family uh, if the robots are doing sure. your work or your pri previous job. Right, or to even reimagine the whole concept of society that doesn't need people to work, but maybe it needs people to think through our greatest challenges and to, to maybe to reimagine how we are in, in space as, we, as space exploration continues to unfold. I mean, to rethink all of this human resource and to leverage it into something greater than job than people putting in uh, 
you know, an eight to five, uh, a few hours as a cog in a machine. We just, we now are at that place where we really need to rethink the human experience. That's a little heavy for most folks, but that's why you have people like me who are supposed to think about this. All right, all right. So this is fascinating, Jet, um, and really a way of thinking about life and the future that probably most people aren't aren't pondering. And so uh, that you're taking the time to look at, well, what is happening? What does this mean for the future? And it doesn't have to be gloom or doom. No, no, not at all. It really does, again, as you said earlier, present these different opportunities. um, So the people who program those robots, they may be able to start kind of programming themselves uh, and start coding for themselves based on, you know, the feedback of of what's happening around them. But they still unless it is a sci-fi movie, you still need human beings to create those robots. And not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're about to go into our, uh, our next uh, commercial break. Sure. But I'm speaking with uh, Chet Sisk, and he is what he calls a social futurist, someone who's looking at current trends, what's happening uh, today, what's happening um, in, in the current you know, month and yes. the coming couple of weeks and months and years years. to let us know how we need to adapt. It's an opportunity to adapt and to grow and to change. Uh, If you have a question for Chet Sisk, you can call us live today at 303-477-5600. When we return, we'll hear more from Chet about what this means for us as global citizens. Stay with us. We'll be back. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join me for a one-day, do-something-different-for-a-change, personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your own private VIP, do something different for a change, personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com slash retreat. everyone. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg and uh, your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. I almost missed my cue having a nice uh, conversation with Chet Sisk during the break. 
<laughs> and uh, Chet Sisk is a social futurist, and uh, you can connect with him. You can go to ChetSisk.com and uh, LeadTheShift.com. Mm, that's right. And I've got links uh, back to him at my website, and you can also uh, get a recording of this program later today at DrPegRadio.com. Just go to the program archives. So we're talking about a lot of different things today, Chet, a yeah. lot of different uh, headlines in the news. And again, not here so much to um, to debate it, you know, sure. on, on left or right or you yeah. know, what you be- what you believe that is different from us, but really kind of to present the issues and a new way of thinking about yes. them, not yes. just in the moment. But what does this mean for us as a human race and for our planet yeah. and for our society in the short-term future, three to five years, which is what you focus on as a social futurist? Yes. And so uh, talking about um, artificial intelligence and the fourth industrial revolution and machine learning and robots and yeah. Uh, transitioning into a conversation about uh, work and um, jobs and employment. Mm -hmm. And for me as a psychologist and as a coach and someone interested in helping people with change and transformation, purpose Mm -hmm. is so critically important uh, that when we can do what we love, what we're good at, and what the world needs, what really has meaning for us personally and for the world, that's when we're living in our sweet spot. And those are where the opportunities are found. Well, see, that to me is where a a primary conversation needs to go. Um, In fact, I'm I'm, I'm presenting at the United Nations in in August of this year, and it's going to be, thank you very much. It was like an invitation out of the blue. They said, oh, you're talking about all this stuff. You got to come in and and, awesome. and talk to our ambassadors and such. That's awesome. But the 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 key of this conversation is exactly what you said that we have to move from the position of how do we get people to get jobs into where are the opportunities, mm-hmm. and the opportunities include jobs, partnerships, mm. uh, freelancing, um, creating links, uh, globe using a global platform. Um, we are not used to thinking outside of job. Mm. In fact, job is kind of a, a chain, especially um, ball and chain, because if, you, uh, if your identity is tied directly to it, it, all, it immediately yeah, becomes sure. problematic. Um, so so what we, now we're moving into the place of starting to talk about opportunity. What opportunities exist now in a world where we have uh, tech, that allows us to be able to have a kind of a global footprint Mm -hmm. and to be a global citizen from wherever we are and still be a loyal citizen of the country we live in. And that is, that's a different kind of conversation because we're not used to that. We're like, well, most people can't wrap their heads around that. Yes, they can. If we don't have the conversation, no one can. Right. I used to um, uh, teach and I was an administrator in the community college systems here in Colorado and Virginia. And we talked a lot about preparing our students for uh, jobs that don't yet exist. Sure. And we moved away. And there's still vocational technical education happening, critically important. Lots of job opportunities if someone is looking for a job. And career and a passion and a purpose. Right. Um, but at the same time, we made the shift from those actual job skills to um, uh, critical thinking, problem solving, right. um, interpersonal communication, mm-hmm. you know, intrapersonal awareness. Right. Um, Emotional exactly. intelligence, yes. creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I can say this. I talked to a bunch of different tech companies all around the country, and they always say the same thing. They're like, uh, don't give me another STEM kid. <laughs> and I was like, well, we want them in STEM, right? And they said, yeah, we want them to have the understanding, but give us the creative kids. Mm-hmm. 
give us the people, not just kids, and I, I don't mean right, to right. frame it like right. that. We're but just saying our age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? They say, give us the people who have the skills that you had mentioned mm-hmm. and, and topped off with creativity, their ability to juxtapose disparate concepts and ideas and be able to mm-hmm. put them together and, and just throw out something like what if. Right. And, and that is the thing where the arts and all of yes. these those other elements. Well, they're saying STEAM now. Yeah, uh, STEAM, which A is... A for arts I'm, in the STEM, adding A, absolutely. A into the STEAM. I'm a STEM. real advocate mm-hmm. for, for the STEAM uh, movement, but I'm even more of an advocate for just basic creativity right. and, and emotional intelligence. Right. And let me tell you about something I've been studying uh, is uh, habit formation. And mm. literally, how do we make new habits and Did break you read old that book? habits? Do, I, do I, Higgs book? Yes, that, yes, that as I well as quite book, a few yes. others. And one of the thing, themes that's emerging, maybe I'm a su- social futurist. I'm, looking, I'm seeing the <laughs> themes so. and the connections and yes. the trends, yes. is uh, having, having downtime. Mm. And so uh, there's a lot to be said for focus, which is also the title of an excellent book. Uh, there's a place for focus, and we understand there's the myth of multitasking. We're really not able to multitask. We're task-shifting and that comes at a cost. So yes, we want kids to be able to focus from a young age. You know, we're, we're trying to get students to sit in their seats and be on task in school. Right. And we don't want them diagnosed with ADHD. Uh, so we want them to focus at the same time we're losing our ability to just have downtime. Because even when we're not, we don't think we're doing anything in particular, we're still scrolling on our phone. We're still plugged in and engaged, and we're not just sitting with nothing happening except our thoughts and the environment, um, preferably natural environment around us. I try to spend time every single day doing nothing, and I'm trying to get out of the habit of whenever I go for my walks, I'm usually plugged in. I'm listening to music or Uh, a book on tape or a podcast, but now I'm trying to add in to my walk time, Mm -hmm. time where... It's just me and my thoughts and right. nature around me. Yeah. And so that is a, that's a, um, what's the word I want to use? A, uh, a, a Petri dish, so to speak, okay. for creativity. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's an environment for creativity. Look, I'm a meditator and mm-hmm. uh, I, I spend hours each night, uh, not hours, but definitely mm-hmm. up to 30 minutes mm-hmm. just in just being able to disengage my process. Right. Because even like you said, even when we think we're not doing something, we're actually doing something mm-hmm. to not do something. Meditation, I guess it is a form of that, but it allows you to be able to at least step away from the process. And that's where my most creative thoughts come afterwards, mm-hmm. after when Absolutely. I'm not doing anything, when I'm allowing myself to disengage for that. And people are like, oh, that's, meditation is too hard. And I said, the only thing I concentrate on is the breaths that I take, mm-hmm. and then that allows me to do that. But, you know, you're like me. I'm sure that your brain is like cranking all the time. I tell my husband yeah. all the time, so, yeah, my brain so is just cranking. Yeah, kind of create yes. the space. Otherwise, it doesn't, it doesn't naturally lean right. toward that. It wants to go to a task. Right. And now, you know, one of the evidence-based practices that's really taking off is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can see the biblical... Uh, reference to mindfulness, yep. meditate on his word day and night. Day and night. Then you will know right. what to do, basically. Well, and so mindfulness is a form of that kind of meditation on his word or meditating on your breath, absolutely. meditating on, you know, a spot on the wall. Yeah. Uh, but it's trying to um, quiet the chatter 
and uh, really just be. In the there moment. is something to be said about uh, mindfulness. In fact, that was the other thing that you heard from some of the tech companies. Mm. Not only did they want creative thought and uh, those kinds of things, but mindfulness. Just people who are able to leverage space and that's what's going to be needed in this next phase, what I call the new paradigm shift, uh, this giant paradigm shift, where it's it's not about human uh, uh, doing. It truly will be about human beings. Yes, absolutely. How to be present in a space. And that's that's hard because it always seems kind of mushy, you know, like, oh, it's that's a nice thought, mm-hmm. Chet, but, you know, I, we have to go make money because the children have to eat. <laughs> and I would submit that... The, the new skills necessary in this new phase, if you're not able to at least get to the place of being mindful and present and creative and all of those things that the children won't eat mm. because we're moving into a different kind of world that requires a different kind of human being. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm speaking with social futurist Chet W. Sisk. And you can share with him your observations of the trends that you're seeing in our society and get his take on what that may mean for us in the near future, in the next three to five years. You can call us at 303-477-5600. Now, Chet, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, You wrote a book uh, many years ago. Actually, when I first met you, I think you had just come out with this book, Seven Steps to Success I Learned from Homeless People. Yes. Uh, And you say in your book that if someone sees themselves as homeless, uh, they'll seek people, places, and situations that validate that self-perception. And that that's, in fact, a, a principle with uh, AA is to change the people, places, and situations if you hope to maintain your sobriety because it's kind of like this magnet and anchor that pulls you back into something you're trying to b- uh, break away from. Yep. Um, talk about some of those uh, lessons that yes. you learned from um, um, home, people who are homeless. And I, I prefer to say someone experiencing homelessness yes. to your point, yes. when you put that label homeless people or the homeless, yeah. well, what hope does that even give yeah. them? Right. That's their identity now. Good point. I, I, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about confirmation bias mm-hmm. and how we tend to live in echo chambers yes. from time to mm-hmm. time. And the same thing applies inside of, uh, homeless environments. If, if people, develop a kind of uh, uh, a way of being inside of that environment, of course, you're going to look for the ways that, that, that work inside of that environment. And, and they, what they were experiencing when I was uh, teaching at the shelter, they all said the exact same thing almost every single time. They all said, I never heard what you're talking about before. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, of course, because in the environment that you were in, they were doing confirmation bias. Right. Everybody was kind of supporting everybody in, in the experience that they were having. It doesn't mean the experience was not real. It's real if you're having the experience. It's always real sure. if you're having it, no matter what it is. But it doesn't mean that you are locked into that particular position. It means that there are there are opportunities to uh, to escape that, and my job was to create a pathway for them mm-hmm. to do that. So. Excellent. Well, Chet, we have a caller on the line. Rick, thanks for uh, giving us a call. Hi. Um, it's very interesting. I, I'm, I'm just driving down I-80, and I just happened to, you know, hear your show. And um, what, here's what I, I'm, I'm wondering about the whole AI thing. I understand hmm. that it's, it's inevitable. I don't, I don't know how we can possibly change it. But what worries me is that who's ever doing the programming, hmm. we're making the assumption in some fashion that they have all the moral and ethical <laughs> background uh, to to do this like the right way, and when you think about 
you think about how uh, you know, like like this game that uh, that, that uh, someone tried to release about they were doing shooting right back to shooter game. Yep, that's that's wacky. And I mean, you hear examples of that kind of thing going on all the time, and you go, I mean, I, I, I think back. Uh, Chet, I used, years ago I was a reporter in Rockford, Illinois. Rockford, uh, I spent yeah. like five years doing it, and I remember a guy who was was like the what was he the. I don't know, he was a clerk or something, you know, like an elected position. Mm. And I used to have hold him in such high esteem. And then, you know, I left and did other things and left the area and never paid attention. Then I heard recently that he, you know, he was he was convicted of of fraud and all these other things. I'm going to programming these. these. Uh... You're breaking up there a little, Rick. I think we got the gist oh. of your question, though. Okay, um, all right, uh, sure. A great, Go ahead. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll shut up for you guys. Uh, <laughs> Thanks Thank so you. much Thanks for, for calling, Rick. We'll talk about uh, what you're bringing up here. Yeah, I, let me just say this. I, 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 just the first part of Rick's statement. I, I too am concerned, obviously, about the the people who who's making these right. Th- this, Such a good question, Rick. Yeah, it's an excellent question. Yeah. Uh, so here's how we look at it from my organization, Universal Basic Resources, is that the even though you have these programmers and people who are developing these things, we still have the the power of community. That is, we can set the the, the standards, standards of, yeah. of what that will be and what is attractive. And people think that that's a far off kind of conversation. Well, and, but and even really. look at the whole privacy uh, the privacy concerns. I'm getting all the emails that updating my privacy you yeah. know policies yeah. for all these online accounts. Yep. Um, Apple, you know, has some standards around what they'll release to law enforcement or not if uh, an iPhone comes into question in a criminal investigation. Yeah. Uh, so there are there are standards around the technology already that exists. Yes. But yes. again, who's making those standards and how much um, influence do we as individual citizens and groups of, of folks and communities have in developing those? That's for, for those of us, there are a few of us in the world, uh, the world future society who are all saying the same thing, that we now have to have that, that truly standard, uh, like the Ten Commandments of AI, uh, so that there is a kind of a, 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 a boundary, a, a code of ethics, mm. as it were. And there, it, wow. I mean, it, it, that the same thing needs to happen inside of the new technology when it comes to uh, the medical profession. There are things that we can do, but the real question is, should we do them? Yes. And, and so we need a kind of a uh, like I said, a Ten Commandments of this is what we should do and this is what we can't do because this is what the people agreed to. And we're not quite there yet, but we are moving toward that particular place because we're starting to recognize that the, the technology has escaped our ability. It's, it's, it's our outpaced us, let me put mm. it that way. We have yet to catch up with the technology in order to create the kind of uh, guidelines in order to manage and, na- and navigate this particular space mm-hmm. so it's it we're into wild west territory right now <laughs> i can tell you that yeah, right now yeah. but but you have people out here having that conversation that rig brought up yeah we have to have that yes. conversation now not like later like oh it's In the a midst nice of a crisis right yeah. it's too late yeah. by that time yeah. so yeah absolutely and we're th- thanks so much rick we're seeing uh the implications of that in so many different areas even um sexual harassment and the me too movement mm-hmm. uh you know what are the standards uh, i just sent out a consent form to a new client that i that i have that i'll be coaching with mm-hmm. and part of it was explaining you know the the 
nature of a coaching relationship or a therapeutic relationship sure. and, uh, you know, a sexual relationship is inappropriate, sure. you know, between a therapist and their client. Right. Uh, where are the standards in, for example, in the uh, entertainment industry? Uh, so, so they're kind of unspoken, unwritten. Uh, there yeah. are laws, obviously, around sexual assault and rape. Uh, but uh, how do we come to some conclusion uh, as a as a society, as a yeah. culture, as a as civilized people? I would submit to you that the Me Too movement is right on time in the sense that it it brings us all to the point of recognizing that our society is in the middle of transition. That means old rules that we kind of winked and Winked nodded at, to yeah. mm -hmm. uh, can no longer be tolerated and that also applies to the technology too so all of this is coming together at the same time that's why I'm, I'm thinking to myself we need the best and, and the greatest of us now and especially over the next three to five years as all of these things start to shake themselves out and they start to say what are the standards are we now going to set for the next 100 right. to 1,000 years? And having the courage to maybe be that lone voice <laughs> in the yeah. wilderness, speaking up, having an unpopular opinion yes. uh, that, that stands out from the masses, but that's rooted in ethics and uh, doing what's right. Yeah. 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 Well, Chet, Chet Sisk, thank you so much for being with me today. If you want to look at uh, Chet's predictions for the next three to five years, you can go to leadtheshift.com. Uh, I have links to back to Chet from my website, drpegradio.com. Thanks so much, Chet. Oh, Dr. Peg, it's a pleasure and an honor, and thank you for being my friend for so many years. Thank you, Chet. Well, listeners, my guest has been Chet W. Sisk, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.